the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of The Bible Live broadcast. We're continuing our way through the book of Numbers. Tradition tells us the best history we have tells us written by Moses during these years of wanderings in the wilderness on the part of the people of Israel. They came out of Egypt somewhere around 1400 B.C., and in that next 40-year period, what could have been an 11-day journey up from Mount Sinai on the southern part of the Sinai Peninsula, they stretched it out into a 40-year adventure. But it was a tremendous education for them. This is a time of learning, of building, of becoming, in truth, a nation with a foundation of faith and trust with the true and living God at the center of the national experience, with their festival days and their national traditions and the laws of their land that govern them as a people and as a society being focused on their knowledge of God and what he demanded of us as human beings, and that is our love, our devotion, our willingness to trust him, and that our, our relationship with him based upon an atoning work, a substitution, someone who takes our sin upon himself. And, of course, that is part of how God uses the people of Israel as an example for us. They become a blessing for us in that they are an instrument of revelation that God gave of himself to not only Israel, but through them to the, all the people groups that they came in contact with, starting out with the Egyptians and in the course those that they met during their years of wanderings, the different tribes. This was not an empty world. There were other tribes. There were other people groups around that they interacted with. We're approaching the 11th month of the 40th year that the people of Israel have been in the wilderness. We'll end tonight and then we'll see the death of Moses. The entire book of Deuteronomy now is a series of lectures or messages that Moses, the one who said he could not speak well, 
well he's learned to speak over the years and so we see his preaching his message a second giving of the law or the giving of the law for a second time to the people of Israel at the end of his life in his ministry. I'll give you a little bit more information as we come to our reading tonight from the book of Numbers. But right now, let's turn to the book of Psalms, the 34th Psalm. We've been reading this written by David after he pretended to be insane in front of King Achish from 1 Samuel 21. He praises God for his deliverance. Psalm 34, verses 11 through 22. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Do any of you want to live a life that is long and good? Then watch your tongue. Keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears His people when they call to Him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous face many troubles, but the Lord rescues them from each and every one. For the Lord protects them from harm. Not one of their bones will be broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. Everyone who trusts in Him will be freely pardoned. End of reading, Psalm 34, verses 11 through 22. There is hope. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar? Under construction. That's what we all are as God's people. We are under construction. We've been declared to be holy and to be righteous because of the merits of Jesus the Messiah. We are clothed in His righteousness, in His holiness, because of the imputed work of the Messiah on our behalf. God loves us and accepts us now just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. (laughs) So he is transforming our lives. Not only has he regenerated us and give us the gift of justification, just as if we'd never sinned, but he is working by his spirit powerfully in our lives to transform us into the likeness of his son. That's the work of sanctification. And in some degree, that's what we've been watching now in the people of Israel as God perfects them, as he deepens their understanding of him and transforms them into genuinely, sincerely his people that will serve his purposes gladly and willingly. Now, I do want to mention one other thing from Psalm 34. There is a passage there that says, For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous, not one of them is broken. Verse 20, that passage is often given messianic significance and was given messianic significance because of the life and experience of Jesus. Remember that not a bone of his body was broken. He was a lamb without blemish, without spot, and that's one of the characteristics of the atonement lamb or these animals that were to be given in sacrifice representing the work of the Messiah. They were to be perfect. Their legs were not broken and that sort of thing. This was mentioned in John chapter 19. 
the fact that Jesus on the cross, not one of his legs were broken. If you remember, the other two died early, and so people were trying to make sure they were going to die before the Sabbath came on. So they broke the legs of the uh, thieves that were crucified with Jesus. But when they came to him, he was already dead, and they did not break his bones. The breaking of the legs was to hasten death in the crucifixion. Death was brought on by suffocation as the weight of the person bore down upon his lungs and caused it to be more and more and more difficult for them to breathe. Jesus' bones were not broken, and the reference was made to Psalm 34 that we read tonight. Well, let's jump over now to Numbers chapter 31, verse 13. This is kind of in the middle of a story. There has been a battle. The people of Israel have gone out to fight against the Midianites. One of the traveling bands of Midianites, marauders was what they were. They traveled all over to the south of Israel. They traced their ancestry all the way back to Abraham and his second wife, Keturah. After Sarah had died, Abraham married Keturah, and from them came the Midianite people. God had promised that out of Abraham, not only would come this special people, the people of Israel, the heritage and legacy of faith, but there would be many nations born of him. And, of course, this is one of those examples, the Midianites, and there are many others, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Edomites that descended from Esau, and, of course, the Ishmaelites and others that we read about. It seems like they all trace themselves in one way, shape, or form back to Abraham. Well, we're going to pick up after this battle. Balaam, the wizard that had been hired to be a spiritual hitman on Israel, Balak, on behalf of the Moabite people, had hired him to come down and try to curse the people of Israel. But he was unable to do that because, in fact, God did reveal certain things to him and was dealing with Balaam calling him actually to worship the true and living God. Sometimes it seems like Balaam was indeed being faithful to that call and responding to God. But then in the end, he tells the king Balak and the people of Moab how they can weaken the people of Israel is by leading them into sin. So he is the one who comes up with this strategy to tempt them into sexual sin, into idolatry, lowering their standards from what they had spent all of these years developing the standard of following the true and living God. Balaam has been killed in this battle, and we'll see the results of the battle. Not one Israelite soldier lost his life. Reuben and Gad, as a couple of the tribes that want to take their allotment of land on the east side of the Jordan. We'll read about that tonight, and then we'll get a little bit of a travel itinerary, a walk through the different places where Israel camped during this 40 years of travel. So all of that tonight here on The Bible Live. Numbers 31, 13 through 33, 39. Numbers 31. Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the people went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses was furious with all the military commanders who had returned from the battle. Why have you let all the women live, he demanded. These are the very ones who followed Balaam's advice and caused the people of Israel to rebel against the Lord at Mount Peor. They are the ones who caused the plague to strike the Lord's people. Now kill all the boys and all the women who have slept with a man. Only the young girls who are virgins may live. You may keep them for yourselves. And all of you who have killed anyone or touched a dead body must stay outside the camp for seven days. You must purify yourselves and your captives on the third and seventh days. Also purify all your clothing and everything made of leather, goat hair, or wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men who were in the battle, The Lord has given Moses this requirement of the law. Anything made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, tin, or lead, that is, metals that do not burn, must be passed through fire in order to be made ceremonially pure. 
These metal objects must then be further purified with the water of purification. But everything that burns must be purified by the water alone. On the seventh day you must wash your clothes and be purified. Then you may return to the camp. And the Lord said to Moses, You and Eleazar the priest and the family leaders of each tribe are to make a list of all the plunder taken in the battle, including the people and animals. Then divide the plunder into two parts, and give half to the men who fought the battle and half to the rest of the people. But first give the Lord his share of the captives, cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats that belong to the army. Set apart one out of every five hundred as the Lord's share. Give this share of their half to Eleazar the priest as an offering to the Lord. Also take one of every fifty of the captives, cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats in the half that belongs to the people of Israel. Give this share to the Levites in charge of maintaining the Lord's tabernacle. So Moses and Eleazar the priest did as the Lord commanded Moses. The plunder remaining from the spoils that the fighting men had taken totaled 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 young girls. So the half of the plunder given to the fighting men totaled 337,500 sheep, of which 675 were the Lord's share, 36,000 cattle, of which 72 were the Lord's share, 30,500 donkeys, of which 61 were the Lord's share, 16,000 young girls, of whom 32 were the Lord's share. Moses gave all the Lord's share to Eleazar the priest, just as the Lord had directed him. The half of the plunder belonging to the people of Israel, which Moses had separated from the half belonging to the fighting men, amounted to 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, 30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 young girls. From the half share given to the people, Moses took one of every 50 prisoners and animals and gave them to the Levites, who maintained the Lord's tabernacle. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then all the military commanders came to Moses and said, Sir, we have accounted for all the men who went out to battle under our command. Not one of us is missing. So we are presenting the items of gold we captured as an offering to the Lord from our share of the plunder, armbands, bracelets, rings, earrings, and necklaces. This will make atonement for our lives before the Lord. So Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from all the military commanders, all kinds of jewelry and crafted objects. In all, the gold that the commanders presented as a gift to the Lord weighed about 420 pounds. All the fighting men had taken some of the plunder for themselves. So Moses and Eleazar the priests accepted the gifts from the military commanders and brought the gold to the tabernacle as a reminder to the Lord that the people of Israel belonged to him. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Numbers 32. Now the tribes of Reuben and Gad owned vast numbers of livestock. So when they saw that the lands of Jazer and Gilead were ideally suited for their flocks and herds, they came to Moses, Eleazar the priest, and the other leaders of the people. They said, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eleale, Sebam, Nebo, and Beon. The Lord has conquered this whole area for the people of Israel. It is ideally suited for all our flocks and herds. If we have found favor with you, Please let us have this land as our property, instead of giving us land across the Jordan River. Do you mean you want to stay back here while your brothers go across and do all the fighting? Moses asked the Reubenites and Gadites. Are you trying to discourage the rest of the people of Israel from going across to the land the Lord has given them? This is what your ancestors did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. After they went up to the valley of Eshcol and scouted the land, they discouraged the people of Israel from entering the land the Lord was giving them. Then the Lord was furious with them, and he vowed, Of all those I rescued from Egypt, 
No one who is 20 years old or older will ever see the land I solemnly promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for they have not obeyed me completely. The only exceptions are Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they have wholeheartedly followed the Lord. The Lord was furious with Israel and made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the whole generation that sinned against him had died. But here you are, a brood of sinners doing exactly the same thing. You are making the Lord even angrier with Israel. If you turn away from him like this and he abandons them again in the wilderness, you will be responsible for destroying this entire nation. But they responded to Moses, We simply want to build sheepfolds for our flocks and fortified cities for our wives and children. Then we will arm ourselves and lead our fellow Israelites into battle until we have brought them safely to their inheritance. Meanwhile, our families will stay in the fortified cities we build here, so they will be safe from any attacks by the local people. We will not return to our homes until all the people of Israel have received their inheritance of land. But we do not want any of the land on the other side of the Jordan. We would rather live here on the east side where we have received our inheritance. Then Moses said, If you keep your word and arm yourselves for the Lord's battles, and if your troops cross the Jordan until the Lord has driven out his enemies, then you may return when the land is finally subdued before the Lord. You will have discharged your duty to the Lord and to the rest of the people of Israel, and the land on the east side of the Jordan will be your inheritance from the Lord. But if you fail to keep your word, then you will have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Go ahead and build towns for your families and sheepfolds for your flocks, but do everything you have said. Then the people of Gad and Reuben replied, We are your servants and will follow your instructions exactly. Our children, wives, flocks, and cattle will stay here in the towns of Gilead. But, sir, all who are able to bear arms will cross over to fight for the Lord, just as you have said. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. So Moses gave orders to Eleazar, Joshua, and the tribal leaders of Israel. He said, If all the men of Gad and Reuben who are able to fight the Lord's battles cross the Jordan with you, then when the land is conquered, you must give them the land of Gilead as their property. But if they refuse to cross over and march ahead of you, then they must accept land with the rest of you in the land of Canaan. The tribes of Gad and Reuben said again, Sir, we will do as the Lord has commanded. We will cross the Jordan into Canaan fully armed to fight for the Lord, but our inheritance of land will be here on this side of the Jordan. So Moses assigned to the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and half the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, the territory of King Sihon of the Amorites, and the land of King Og of Bashan, the whole land with its towns and surrounding lands. The people of Gad built the towns of Dibon, Adaroth, Arur, Atroshophan, Jazer, Jogbeha, Beth-Nimrah, and Beth-Haran. These were all fortified cities with sheepfolds for their flocks. The people of Reuben built the towns of Heshbon, Eliale, Kiriathaim, Nebo, Baal-Meon, and Sigma. They changed the names of some of the towns they conquered and rebuilt. Then the descendants of Machir, of the tribe of Manasseh, went to Gilead and conquered it, and they drove out the Amorites who were living there. So Moses gave Gilead to the Machirites, descendants of Manasseh, and they lived there. The people of Jair, another clan of the tribe of Manasseh, captured many of the towns in Gilead and changed the name of that region to the towns of Jair. Meanwhile, a man named Nobah captured the town of Kenath and its surrounding villages, and he renamed that area Nobah after himself. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Numbers 33. 
This is the itinerary the Israelites followed as they marched out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's direction, Moses kept a written record of their progress. These are the stages of their march, identified by the different places they stopped along the way. They set out from the city of Ramses on the morning after the first Passover celebration in early spring. The people of Israel left defiantly, in full view of all the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying all their firstborn sons, whom the Lord had killed the night before. The Lord had defeated the gods of Egypt that night with great acts of judgment. After leaving Ramses, the Israelites set up camp in Sukkoth. Then they left Sukkoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. They left Etham and turned back toward Pihahiroth, opposite Baal Zephon, and camped near Migdol. They left Pihahiroth and crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness beyond. Then they traveled for three days into the Etham wilderness and camped at Mara. They left Mara and camped at Elim, where there are twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees. They left Elim and camped beside the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea and camped in the Sin Desert. They left the Sin Desert and camped at Dovka. They left Dovka and camped at Alush. They left Alush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. They left Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They left the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hataava. They left Kibroth Hataava and camped at Hasaroth. They left Hasaroth and camped at Rithma. They left Rithma and camped at Rimon Perez. They left Rimon Perez and camped at Libna. They left Libna and camped at Risa. They left Risa and camped at Kehelatha. They left Kehelatha and camped at Mount Shefer. They left Mount Shefer and camped at Haradah. They left Haradah and camped at Machaloth. They left Machaloth and camped at Tahath. They left Tahath and camped at Terah. They left Terah and camped at Mithka. They left Mithka and camped at Hashmonah. They left Hashmonah and camped at Moserath. They left Moserath and camped at Bnei Jakan. They left Bnei Jakan and camped at Hor Hagijad. They left Hor Hagijad and camped at Jodbatha. They left Jodbatha and camped at Abronah. They left Abronah and camped at Ezion Geber. They left Ezion Geber and camped at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. They left Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor at the border of Edom. While they were at the foot of Mount Hor, Aaron the priest was directed by the Lord to go up the mountain, and there he died. This happened on a day in midsummer during the 40th year after Israel's departure from Egypt. Aaron was 123 years old when he died there on Mount Hor. End of reading, Numbers 31:13 through 33:39. I was born in Tennessee, late July, humidity. Doctors said I was lucky to be alive. You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Trouble to the day that I disappear. That'll be the day that I finally get it right. There is This conflict, this controversy that flares up, it really was much ado about nothing in a sense. Reuben Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh got their land. They wanted to stay there and build their cities on the east side of the Jordan. Moses initially thinks, well, they're trying to get out of the battle. They were trying to get out of fighting for the other people whenever they invaded the land of Canaan. They said, no, no, we're not wanting that. We do want this land over here for our flocks and our herds and our families, but we will go in and help conquer the land and fight until all the other tribes have their allotments, their inheritance of land as well. So that had a happy ending there, but it was a little bit of a scare 
particularly i would assume for moses remember this is not his first rodeo he's been here before and the people failed they did not go in as they should have they were not willing to take that step of faith remember the 10 spies that gave the uh, discouraging the pessimistic report and the people would not go into the land the result was deadly in that a whole generation had to wander in the wilderness and, and die away and now they're approaching again the second time and so moses i think understandably is maybe a little bit nervous about what's going to happen notice that they do not <laughs> they do not send in spies again actually they do send in spies they send a group of spies into jericho but i suspect they were very carefully selected group of spies we're coming into a section now where this is going to become more important that we understand this concept of war now in the times in which we live war is ugly and war is evil we understand even in the scriptures there will be no more war someday and it's spoken of very beautifully in the uh, book of isaiah chapter 2 micah chapter 4 the sword will be beaten into plowshares and spears will be turned into pruning hooks you know both agricultural tools for working the land and raising our crops we won't study war no more as the old hymn says there will not be the world the godless world system there will not be the enemy of our souls satan and his legions of demons the old sin nature within god's people will have been eradicated the old man is dead now but we still have this old nature that we struggle against in this world where good and evil coexist there is going to be conflict without a doubt and so war is not the ultimate evil even in this world there are things worse than war we must resist evil and wickedness by all means in this world and sometimes that means that we must resist it even physically sometimes that means that we stand up to a bully in the schoolyard or at the workplace we stand up to unrighteousness in our neighborhood sometimes it does come down to physical resistance of evil when someone invades our home a, a burglar or someone who would murder or do harm to our family there is a time that we must resist evil even to the physical that comes to a national perspective as well our police officers those who help enforce the laws of the land and maintain order in our society or those who guard our borders and guard our nation from attack of other countries there is evil in this world there are people who would do us great harm if and when they can and we understand that in scriptures war is a reality it is an evil but it's not the worst evil it doesn't always come out in the text that we have here but the tradition is and that and you'll if you look for it you'll see there is quite often this opportunity to avoid the battle and the people who do not want to be a part of the battle and do not want to war against israel were given that option to tool on out of there now in that travel itinerary we are given there in chapter 33 there are 42 stops and I've been told that this corresponds to, in some ways, the 42 generations that are listed in the book of Matthew when it traces the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. The idea is that there are 42 stops as people come out of Egypt and on into the promised land in the same way, 42 generations as they came from the time of no prophets in the end of Malachi, that time on into the period of the Messiah some correspondence between those 42 generations i do want to mention this god told moses before the israelites settled in the promised land that they should drive out the wicked inhabitants and destroy their idols and in paul in colossians 3 said that we as christians should live in the same way throwing away our old way of living our old idols our old perverse and wrong ways of viewing things to replacing it with a new life the new truths that we find in jesus the Messiah. There's some lessons there for us as well. From the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. 
The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.